welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown to tell stories and analyze the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries for our, and hopefully your, amusement. I am your hoot of a host, Gary, with my wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. Hello, Goldie Ann. Hello, Gary. How are you feeling this week? Um, a little bit better. Yeah. So as some of y'all might have noticed my enthusiastic tone last week. I did come down with COVID. Yeah. I'm still surviving it, but I've been sick for six days. I know. And because... And I am completely vaccinated, y'all. So, I don't know what that means. And because Goldie Ann was uh, diagnosed positive, we've basically been locked down since then. Me, I haven't had symptom one, so uh, we're just bonding over here. And to further that bond, hey, Goldie Ann. Oh, God. What? What is an owl's favorite drink? Mm, Hootlaid? I don't know. <laughs> Close. It's actually hoot beer. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. See, I'm trying, to cheer up, cheer, I'm trying to cheer you up in your moment of illness. I was almost there. Oh, my. The <laughs> story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so, with this new year, we've been very busy with the podcast. To let everyone know, we received our 4,000th download, so the podcast is still going very strong. Mm. This episode marks our 25th episode, so to have that many downloads in such a short period of time is amazing. We appreciate our fan support, and will continue to strive to bring you more and more episodes. That being said, I did want to address something today that I initially wasn't going to, but it's a good thing. I think so. The podcast received its first one-star and basically negative review. The review stated, Seems unrehearsed, stumbling on words, and just not that impressed, and didn't grab me. But that's just my personal opinion, is what it was written. A lot of what the reviewer said is accurate. With full-time jobs, the podcast is a hobby. It's one I absolutely adore, and I wish I could devote more time to, but for the time being, that just isn't possible. With the time I do have, I research, I write, I produce, and then I edit for you on a weekly basis. Unfortunately, that means I don't get a lot of chance to do rehearsals. I was just going to say, I, didn't, I don't feel like podcasts should be rehearsed, because aren't they all about being genuine? I think we try to create a more spontaneous feeling to our podcast. I mean, you know, researching and everything, of course, we've got to do all that. But to actually, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Rehearse? That just seems weird. Okay. Seems fake. We are very new at this. Like I said, this is our 25th episode, so we've only been at this for less than a year. And I'm really still learning, which is why I do appreciate the review. I mean, it hurts our feelings, but I think it'll make us a better podcast. I don't believe you should give excuses. I agree that we are unrehearsed, and it's our attempt to give it a more open feel to it, and less of a documentary. However, the stories I find and give during the show are written out in advance, and I could rehearse them more before the show. That is something I'm going to strive to start doing from now on. As for the show not grabbing you, um, we're sorry. I don't know if it was a lack of the professionalism, our banter, or just the subject matter. 
all I can say is that we're going to keep at this and we're going to keep improving. Hopefully this reviewer will decide to check us out again and maybe we'll be more to their liking. Until then, for something a bit more positive, we were previously mentioned in Paranormality Magazine, and which holds the opportunity to vote for your favorite top podcast. We ranked 8th in both November and December, and January's top 10 list just came out, and we've moved up to be ranked 4th in Paranormal Podcasts. And that's totally because of our audience. So thank you for your votes, and please continue voting. Wait, wait, wait. You mean you didn't vote? I voted for myself. I voted for us too, but Uh-oh. I don't think two votes. Uh-oh. I don't think two votes <laughs> is enough to really get us against all the other uh, paranormal podcasts out there. Well, at least I don't feel alone now. Yes, you are definitely not alone. There's me, and I don't know how many votes we actually got. That would be kind of neat to know. It but would be. thanks to our There's audience, three. and hopefully they keep voting for us. Another a new addition, with this being a new year, is the podcast is now part of the Buy Me a Coffee app. If you check out our show notes or visit our website, withinthemist.com, you can find a link where you can donate to the show. For me, this feels like those jugglers that you find in the park or the subway musicians, and they have the hat where people can throw in a few dollars. If you feel that we have entertained you, this is just another way to show your support for future of the podcast. You're definitely not obligated to do so. It's just something that we're adding to our podcast. So, let's continue on with the show. Today's episode continues a supernatural creature that some members of the audience might find a bit unsettling. So, please be forewarned. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe a little bit. Listener discretion is always advised. So now, Goldian, let's take a walk within the mist. The remote church in Cornwall named St. Maunon and St. Stephen's Church is located about a mile from the village center of Maunon Smith. This location is a very peaceful and serene church on the outside surrounded by woods and boasting a breathtaking sea view. However, according to Cornish folklore, the church and the grounds surrounding it have been haunted by a human-sized owl with large wings, large claws, and glowing eyes which have been terrifying the locals and tourists since the 1920s. Today, we discuss the Owlman of Cornwall. Wow. That's, that's awesome. That sounds like a very, very beautiful place. But as you know, I am scared to death of birds. So, I'm not going there. I don't care how pretty it is. I don't care what the ocean looks like. Screw that. Okay, I will mark it off of the list of places that we are going to. And after this episode, I'm sure you're going to feel even more strongly about that. So as we begin, Chapter 1, The Boys of 1926. There are simple joys about being a boy. Their days are full of running through the countryside on imagined adventures and exploring the woodlands. With the sun in the sky and grass under their feet, there is a feeling that nothing could ever harm them. However, for two boys in 1926, their day of adventure would turn into a terrifying experience. 
They had been enjoying the woods and the land surrounding the church. They took turns chasing each other in games of tag and hide-and-seek. Their laughter would later turn to screams when during their games they stumbled upon something they never imagined before in any of their games. It was a large and furious bird-like creature which launched itself out of the shadows at the pair of startled youngsters. Neither boy would be able to clearly describe the creature that attacked them. However, they would agree that it was angry and extremely dangerous. Screaming, the pair turned to run as quickly as their small legs could carry them. The bird creature was directly behind them, threatening to capture them at any moment. Their only hope? To reach the church and the believed safety it contained. They had barely reached the courtyard of the church when they discovered that there was nobody anywhere in the building or in the courtyard. They were left alone with this monster. One of the boys spotted a corner of the grounds that was closed off by a large steel grating. They raced and passed beyond the grid and closed it just as the winged creature slammed itself into the barrier between them. The bird-like beast continued to try and reach the frightened youngsters through the grid openings. It threatened to grab them at any moment. Fortunately, the noise from the screams of the two boys and the ferocious noises of the creature attracted adult attention. The beast took off into the sky, leaving the two boys terrified, but safe. The adults and the community were quick to downplay the incident. It was blamed on overactive imagination of the pair of boys. Residents were quick to remark that the creature was not any monster, but just some form of local goose or swan. They claimed that it must have been disturbed by the two boys and chased them in retaliation. Yeah, birds suck. The incident would be reported by the Cornish Echo newspaper, but the story was rapidly squashed to be ignored and forgotten. <laughs> Wow. Well, you know how I feel about birds and how birds chase me. So then you can put yourself in the shoes of these two boys and how it chased them back to the church. That's horrible. Regardless, the story could not be buried so easily. Hushed voices continued to speak about something not natural existing on the grounds at and around the St. Monon Church. Something had to be contained before someone was harmed. Chapter 2 The Rituals of the Artist The newspaper article, however, did attract outside attention, regardless of the desires of the community and church to keep the event quiet. Artists Max Ernst and Leonora Carrington were extremely interested in the event. Now, Max Ernst was a German painter, sculptor, graphic artist, and poet. He was a pioneer of the surrealism movement. He experimented with fraudage, which is using pencil rubbings on objects as a source of the image, and a technique called grattage, where you scrape paint across a canvas to reveal the imprints of the objects beneath it. That sounds like something we always did as a kid. And he was one of the first to use this on a grand scale artistic scene and the church and the story of the Owlman attracted him to the location. Ernst had developed a fascination with birds that was prevalent in his work. He was accompanied to the church by fellow artist Leonora Carrington. 
Carrington was a British-born Mexican artist who was one of the last surviving participants in the Surrealism movement of the 1930s. After meeting Ernst, she helped to collaborate on and support much of his artistic work. The two artists created sculptures of guardian animals, Ernst creating his birds, and Carrington creating a plaster horses. They used these to decorate their homes, so when they heard of a bird-like man, the couple visited Manan in 1937. I just want to scream, Birdman! Sorry, I did it anyway. The artists hoped to gain inspiration from seeing the creature for themselves, much like Goldie Ann has her inspirations for her outbursts. <laughs> hey, it was a good cartoon. There, at the church, they are said to have performed secret rituals to try and summon up the half-man, half-bird they called a therianthrope. Therianthropy is the supernatural ability of human beings to change into animals by means of shape-shifting. First evidence of this ancient belief is in the concepts suggested by the cave drawings found at La Troy Frères in France. The best known form of therianthropy is in the stories of werewolves, but that's usually termed as lycanthropy. Yeah, you know, cool puppies. Or ferocious beasts after your blood. Blood puppies, yeah. Sometimes you frighten me. The pair of artists were committed to discovering if the creature they believed existed or not. It was never reported if they met up with the bird-like monster. Whatever they did experience at the church caused the Owlman to be featured heavily in both of their artworks for the remainder of their lives. Hmm. It had an inspirational effect on them, so something must have happened because the Owlman was prevalent in so many pieces that they produced after this. Right. I can't believe that they went there, found nothing, and yet they still painted about this creature. Right. So something had to happen in connection with these rituals that was never released or never known to the public. Once again, the community was able to quiet the stories and contain the winged creature within the courtyard of the church. It would almost take 40 years, April of 1976, before the beast was loose again. Chapter 3, The Easter Vacation Two young girls, June, age 12, and Vicky, age 9, traveled from Preston to Lancashire to spend the Easter holiday in Cornwall with their family. Monon Smith, during the spring, has always been beautiful with the green returning to the trees and the sun shining across the skies. It is a very small town with quaint thatched roofs and small church. For two young girls, there wasn't much to see or do, but it was perfectly pleasant just to wander around. It would be the ideal place for any family holiday. Both girls were excited to travel down the road to stroll hand in hand for almost a mile from the village center to the small church. They took turns skipping and walking along the roadways, being sure to notice the trees and the birds chirping along the way. After a while, they finally reached the church grounds. They made their way through the ancient tombstones of the graveyard surrounding the church, and they came upon the main building. They would watch the sun's reflection off of the arched glass to focus on its resolutely square tower reaching above so very high to the sky. 
just as the pair was about to lose interest and start on their journey back to their parents, they could hear a sound of rustling feathers. Looking up, a shadow flitted across the very edge of their vision. They saw it on top of the 13th century church tower. It looked very much like a bird, maybe an owl, except for its size. It was large enough to be a man, like their father. The birdman flapped its enormously large and feathered wings to circle the battlement of the church. After a single pass, the winged creature noticed the two girls down below and began to change its path towards the two children. See? That's what I'm talking about. Realizing the danger that they were now in, the two girls grabbed hands and raced back down the roadway they had previously enjoyed traveling on. This time, the two were in a panic screaming for someone to rescue them. Each time that they would look over their shoulder, they had fear that the Owlman would be directly behind them and ready to snatch them from the path. The enormous bird, however, gave up the chase and circled back to the church. Perhaps it knew better than to stray too far from it, as though the church held some control over the Owlman creature. The father of the two girls, Don Melling, raced out to the road to meet his two daughters. Their terrified cries alerted him to the danger that they were both in. Once he had scooped up both of them into his arms and returned them to the safety of the building, the girls related the terrifying story of being chased by what was an owl, but also a man. Both girls were able to explain everything that had happened, and their father could see the truth and the fear in their eyes. He did not doubt that the girls encountered something, something that he could not explain away. He decided to cut the family trip short by three days and leave Cornwall immediately. Once the family had returned home, he realized that he needed answers. One of his daughters, June, had drawn a sketch of the Owlman that had chased them. At first, he was at a loss for what he could do, and then he discovered that a man nearby was researching unexplained phenomena and the supernatural. The man was Tony Doc Shields. Anthony Shields is an artist, magician, and writer. He was involved in a series of monster-raising exploits in 1976, which gave him considerable media attention, particularly when he was invoking the monsters with the aid of a coven of nude witches. <laughs> I'm sorry, did I laugh out loud? Well, this is something that would uh, get you on headlines. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. He attempted to raise Morgar, the Cornish sea monster, and then was covered by BBC TV, the Fortean Times, local newspapers, and appeared in national newspapers. Tony was a public figure that Don could turn to. He decided to give the sketch to Tony and tell of his daughter's experiences. Shields began reporting on the sightings of the Owlman of Cornwall after that. The press was initially very interested but something seemed to want to keep the identity of the creature a secret. Word that this was merely another misidentification suddenly counteracted the story of the two girls. Because of their age, most would agree that it was nothing supernatural flying the skies, but just a large owl and two startled little girls. So, they just because of the kid's age, they said they were lying. I thought it was kids are the ones that tell the truth. 
their theory was that the kids were too young to know what they saw and that they saw an owl and misidentified it as an owl man. And that was their official story that they passed on and tried to get the public to believe in. Ah, well, that's a little crap. For you and I, yes. For the general public, no. And Well, no, I meant because kids... Cause, well, it did know. cause the story to die. That's weird. I mean, kids are... You know, kids say the darnest things. Well, the, because it's true. They're covered in truth. Well, the two girls' story was tried to be pushed down, and perhaps the Owlman could be contained, but maybe not, because in July of the same year, 1977, it revealed itself once again. Chapter four: The Camping Trip. Oh. Two 14-year-old girls named Sally Chapman and Barbara Perry decided to go camping in the area. They hiked together to the courtyard surrounding the church. Perhaps they had heard of the encounter of the two younger girls a few months earlier, but it seemed rather unlikely. The press hadn't taken any interest in the story. They were completely unaware of anything until they noticed a man was standing on a large branch in a tree just off the path from which they were walking. As they approached, the shadow disappeared. Both girls tried to pass it off as a trick of the sunlight and shadows and maybe a play on their imagination. Then they heard a hissing sound that seemed to be coming from behind the pair. As they turned around, they were face to face with a giant owl of human size with, quote, glowing eyes. At first, the pair of girls thought that maybe someone was playing a trick on them. They were positive that this was a person dressed up in a rather convincing costume of an abnormally large bird, silver gray in color. There was no fear at first, only mild amusement at the joke and the lengths that someone must have gone to play it on both of them. They only realized that the owlman standing in front of them was not a trick when the girls saw the creature crouch low to the ground and then launch itself high into the sky. It was able to fly up into the air and disappear before the startled looks of both the campers. So he's not dangerous. He's just large. Unless you take into account the 1926 boys. Well, they're boys. After the owl man flew away, both campers said that there was a strange static noise coming from the trees for some time afterwards. They described the huge bird as having red eyes and strange claws for feet, shaped like the blacksmith's pinchers. Shields met with the girls separately to make sure that their stories matched, and even had them make a sketch of the creature they saw. The stories and artwork matched up perfectly, except on the details of the wings, as Sally believed Barbara had done the wings wrong. And he was convinced that their stories were genuine. Combined with the encounter of the Melling girls, all eyes turned to the village and the discovery made national headlines, naming the beast the Owlman of Malnon Smith, or the Owlman of Cornwall, or the Cornish Owlman. The village and the parish did not appreciate the attention. I definitely wouldn't have called him the Cornish Owl, because think of Cornish hens, they're small, tiny. <laughs> Agreed, and that's probably why that name is least known of the three. Yeah. Regardless of the name, more people started to come forward with accounts of their own encounters with the Birdman. 
Another pair of girls wrote to Shields that the creature had red slanting eyes and a large mouth. The version they saw had feathers of silvery gray and so was its body and legs. The feet were like big black crab's claws. They were frightened at the time and they referred to the Owlman as being strange like quote something out of a horror film. After the thing went up into the trees there was a crackling sound in the treetops for ages. The girls told Shields that their mother thought that they had made it all up just because they read about those things. But the girls guaranteed that this was not true. They argued that if they imagined it, how could they both imagine it at the same time? True story. Two years later, a young lady named Miss Opie saw a monster like a devil flying up through the trees near the old Monon church. This would prompt Tony Shields to write to Janet and Colin Board of the Fortean Picture Library a few days later. He wrote, The Owlman is certainly back in business, it seems. I poked around his area, around old Monon Church, a couple of days ago, and the atmosphere was positively crackling with odd presences, if you know what I mean. As soon as anything really exciting happens, I'll let you know. It would be terrific if I could get a picture of our feathered friend but he only seems to pop up for young girls, and I ain't one. <laughs> He's a pervert owl. It did not take long before the owl man was quickly branded a hoax, though. People realized that all reports led back to Tony Doc Shields. At the time, the mysterious man was having a moment of glory for taking part in a project to find and evoke monsters. The press decided to utilize him to discredit the Owlman encounters. It seems that at Halloween in 1986, he was at the center of a controversy when the Bishop of Truro and the local newspapers accused him of having committed unspeakable acts of blasphemy inside Manon's old church whilst attempting to invoke the Owlman. The actual sequence of events remains obscure. Could he have learned the techniques that the artist utilized in the 1930s and was trying to replicate it? It will never be known. Interesting. What was known is that people dismissed the claims of there being an owlman haunting the church, its yards, and the nearby woods. They would explain that the teenagers had all seen an excessively large owl if they saw anything at all. Shields was convinced to direct his attention to other subjects. In 1977, he obtained photos claimed to be the Loch Ness Monster, which appeared on the front page of the Daily Mirror newspaper. Uh-oh. This and his associated Monster Mind experiment appeared in other media outlets, including the Daily Telegraph and Radio One's Newsbeat. Okay, well, the Daily Telegraph is good, but the Daily Mirror... That's their National uh, Enquirer. <laughs> well, regardless, whatever lurked in the trees and skies of the church grounds was able to disappear from public scrutiny once again. Wow. So is he gone? Is he gone for good? Oh, geez. He's not gone for good? No. <laughs> we have Chapter 5, Nighttime Encounter of 1989. That's a little too close to home. Well, there was a further sighting in 1989 when a young man who wanted to be known as Gavin and his girlfriend, Sally, claimed to have seen the owlman creature. Oh, so it was a male and female this time. 
True. Okay. The two were out wandering the grounds with a flashlight in hand. Perhaps he was out trying to attempt to impress his girlfriend. Or they were two teenagers looking for proof to the local legends of their parents and their grandparents. Regardless of the reason, they were out in the woods that evening and they discovered more than they expected. Every couple of hours, they would walk along the fringe of the woods. On the third time that evening, the sky was beginning to get dark. From a distance, the tree looked black, but as they made their way closer, the branches and the trunks could be seen. It was about 9.30 by the time they reached the tree. Gavin shined a beam of light across the trunks about 15 feet off the ground. In the spotlight was an animal standing upright on a thick branch in the arms of a large conifer tree. Its wings held upward, it stood about five feet tall, with legs having high ankles. It had features of both a man and an owl. They also stated that the feet were large and black with two huge toes on visible side. The creature was gray with brown patches of colors and the eyes glowed in the flashlight. On seeing the pair, the owlman's head jerked down and forwards, its attention focused on them. It seemed unsure of what to do. Should it attack or should it escape? It chose to lift its wings and jump backwards into the deeper branches. The two investigators lost sight of it and it took off into the dark skies and they could not determine where it flew off to. Though the story was documented, it did not receive attention. They had a pretty good idea what it looked like, but they didn't know what to do about it, and essentially vowed to tell no one about their encounter. After several years, Gavin met with Sally again, and they talked about their encounter. She was as unkeen to share this information as she had been earlier, so she made Gavin promise he wouldn't tell anyone about her involvement or her real name. The names were changed, and the information leaked out. <laughs> uh, interesting. I wouldn't hold any water to that one. But then again, you said it was documented. I don't know. It was documented because Gavin had written everything down in a diary that he was able to provide to... So still not actual documented. No, there was... Okay. Again, there was no newspapers that would touch the story. Right. It was almost as though there was a supernatural force working to keep the owl man's secret, and this continued pretty much as long as the creature existed. Huh. No sighting seemed to sway the public attention to focus on the truth of the creature's existence. Chapter 6, The American Tourist of 1995 Finally, the creature veered its head again. Finally. Okay. That was a while, though. True. After a while, the creature appeared once again. Experiences were not limited to just the British. An American tourist in 1995 traveled abroad without the intentions of actually investigating the existence of the Owlman. However, an experience she did have. She described the Owlman as being five feet tall with huge claws emanating from its vast wings. She sent a letter about her experience to Simon Parker the then editor of the Western Morning News at the end of the summer of 1995. So this one did receive documentation. Okay. In fact, the article reads, quote, Dear Sir, 
I am a student of marine biology at the Field Museum of Chicago. On the last day of a summer vacation in England, last Sunday evening, I had a most unique and frightening experience in the wooded area near the old church of Monon Cornwall. I experienced what I can only describe as a vision from hell. Damn, it's a little rock harsh. The time was 15 minutes after 9, and I was walking along a narrow track through the trees. I was halted in my tracks when about 30 meters ahead, I saw a monstrous birdman thing. It was the size of a man with ghastly face, a wide mouth, glowing eyes, and pointed ears. It had huge clawed wings and was covered in feathers of a silvery gray color. The thing had a long bird legs which terminated in large black claws. It saw me and rose, floating towards me. I just screamed and then turned and ran for my life. The whole experience was irrational and dreamlike. Friends tell me that there is a tradition of a phantom owl man in that district. Now I know why. I have seen the phantom myself. Please do not publish my real name and address. This could adversely affect my career. Now, I have to rethink my worldview entirely. Yours, very sincerely, scared eyewitness. Interesting. I don't know what to say about that one. I probably would have died. <laughs> so yeah, she seems a little more creditable. I mean, she's... Well, actually, that's what I wanted to be, was a marine biologist. And she was vacationing in England and saw this creature to which she decided to write a letter to the newspaper. Well, the newspaper does have, claims that they do have her name and her actual address, but as she's requested, they are withholding that. But was this, was this a newspaper in America or in England? To be honest, I don't know where the uh, newspaper is. Hmm, I don't either. But yeah, no, I mean... It's called the Western Morning News. Seems scary. I'm sure she was terrified. In fact, like she said, she has to rethink her values and her opinions on what's real and what's not. Despite I mean, this is o sorry. This is only in England, though, right? The appearance of the creature. Yeah. This owl man only appears around one church, the Old Manon Church, in Cornwall, England has been its only appearance. It seems to be very isolated to this location, as though the church has some kind of hold on it. But this, and it's, there's nothing, there's nothing, like a ghost, like a ghost. This can't be like a ghost owl. It's something funny that, that you happened? Had, it's funny that you had mentioned ghost owl, because the owl man became quiet for several years, but there were strange occurrences that may connect the church and the land surrounding it with Chapter 7, Paranormal Encounters. In 1996, a woman reported a ball of light was floating above the church. It wasn't connected to any Owlman creature sightings other than it having the same location. Then, in 2003, Two teenage girls were listening to music in the church car park late at night. There, they also saw a glowing, pulsating globe of light hovering high above the church. The girls said that they watched it for a while until it just vanished. 
The appearances of orbs of light is a common theme for ghosts and the presence of spirits. There are numerous other locations having photographs of these orbs connected to hauntings. Ghost researchers believe that the orbs are spirits of the dead. They often show up in areas of high magnetic energy, also known as haunting phenomena. Floating orbs, or orbs of light, also known as ghost lights, have been recorded on 35mm Polaroid Kodak infrared and black and white Tri-X film. The Owl Man of Cornwall could be the first cryptid to actually be connected to ghostly spirits. To bring back any internet buzz to the idea of the Owl Man of Cornwall would require video. One of the mythical half-man, half-owl was claimed to have been filmed on the Cornwall Church graveyard. A link to this video from the two ghost hunters will be on our show notes. Cool! Chapter 8, Ghost Hunter Video Ghost Hunter Mark Davies Yes! Oh, sorry. Do you know this person? Yeah. How Doesn't do everybody know Mark Davies? I don't. But then again, I, you're more into the ghost parts of the stories. Well, good. I'm glad that you actually know who this is. Davies claimed that he caught the infamous character on camera in 2019. Davies, 47, from Falmouth, Cornwall, was in the graveyard with his friend Chris Power, 36, from Manchester. The reason for their ghost hunters to be at the church was due to what Mark defined as ley lines under the ground near the church, which are theorized to be attracting and giving off paranormal energy. Connecting to the haunting orbs, they decided to investigate for themselves. They were there to film ghosts or paranormal activity surrounding the church. Equipment they brought with them measured electronic magnetic energy, and they were obtaining strong readings indicating ghostly presences and demonic energy beyond safe levels. During the filming, they heard a hissing in the trees, and they could hear the flapping of wings. Davies would go on to say that he heard it go right over his head. That was when he saw a figure in the darkness. It was not simply a five-foot bird man this time. Davies was able to see that this owl man had horns on its head, and it was angry, telling him that the demonic energy wasn't safe. Davies' partner, Powers, got attacked by something unseen. He had scratches on his arm and it broke his camera. He didn't see anything at the time, but he felt a surge of energy crawl up his skin. He didn't even realize it until about a half an hour later when he felt burning. In the 21 minute video footage, Davies and Powers are prowling around the darkened graveyard, which lies beyond a gate with a dramatic looking inscription. It reads, Dathima Ness Dathdu. Well, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's basically Cornish, and it translates to, It is good to draw nigh to the Lord. The ghost hunter holds out a spiritual detector, and he pans his camera around the graveyard, asking if any creature lives there. Then, in the very corner of the frame, a ghostly figure can be seen. But when Mark goes to investigate, the apparition vanishes, and he couldn't find any trace of the Owl Man. The video does provide a slowdown and zoom of the part involving the presence 
to enable viewers to make their own opinions on whether this is the infamous owl man or a ghost or just a shadow. So now the creature evolved from being a ferocious bird to an owl man hybrid to now being what you like to term a ghost. Theories about what the owl man is covers a great deal of ground from misidentifications to hoax to being an actual creature to even now being a ghost. There is much that supports that the whole thing is a hoax. It's quite understandable for people to not want to accept because such a tale is based on the evidence presented by such a notorious figure as Shields. He has a very colorful reputation and he even admits himself to being a magician and a charlatan. His connection with other skeptical monster hunts and the accusations against him in the Manon Church are enough to paint the entire story as a hoax. However, the legend began in the 1920s, before his involvement, and the initial contact in 1976 had the family come to him rather than his fabrication of the legend. This is true. The addition of encounters with Gavin and Sally, plus the video ghost hunting of Davies and Power, which don't have any connection with Shields at all, help to dispel theories that the Owlman is a complete hoax. Yeah. According to famous skeptic author John Nichols, church towers are common resting places for barn owls, which are likely the source of the sightings. The barn owl is the most widely distributed species of owl in the world and one of the most widespread of all species of birds, being found almost everywhere in the world. The barn owl is nocturnal over most of its range, but in Great Britain it also hunts during the day. Barn owls specialize in hunting animals on the ground and nearly all of their food consists of small mammals, which they locate by sound and their hearing is very acute. A typical barn owl measures between 13 to 15 inches in length with a wingspan of 31 to 37 inches. This is a great deal smaller than the five-foot version that the eyewitnesses have said. Right. So it's kind of hard to accept that a barn owl became the owl man of Cornwall. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, with the, you know, that's a, what, three-foot wingspan. So, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty large, but three feet wingspan with the little tiny body a little bit different than a five-foot man. That's true. So we would need a bigger bird. Author and 40 and TV presenter Reverend Lionel Fanthorpe also identifies the sighting of a Eurasian eagle owl as a likely source of the legend. An eagle owl is one of the largest species of owl. Females can grow to a total length of 30 inches Dang. and they have a wingspan of six feet two inches wide. Okay. This is a little bit closer to the size description of the owl man. This bird has distinctive ear tufts or possible horns if you see them in the shadows. Right. And the upper parts of his body are modeled with darker blackish coloring and tawny gray. Huh. The orange eyes are distinctive and they reflect light during the nocturnal hours. This would be a more possible candidate for misidentification as they are found amongst farmland and in park settings. There are only estimated to be 12 to 40 pairs thought to reside in the United Kingdom as of 2016, where they are arguably non-native to the country. 
This rarity supports that they would not be something easily recognized by children. True. Okay. So now we have the argument that the Owlman could be an Eurasian Owl. Well, that kind of sucks. It's still smaller than the creature that they saw, and it doesn't quite have a human body position that a lot of people have described. True, true. So it doesn't, it fits very closely, but not exactly. And there are more theories. There are stories of other avian cryptids similar in description to the Owlman, ranging from the Mothman of West Virginia to the ancient spirits of the Egyptians. The church may have been a nesting ground for an undiscovered species that made its home for almost a century. The clergy may even be aware of this supernatural existence, and they attempt to protect the creature by dismissal of stories of the creature in order to protect it against monster hunters and tourists. I personally have always had an opinion that these winged humanoids may be the grounds for the stories of angels. Now, thanks to the ghost hunters, could the Owlman be a sort of a feathered poltergeist? An apparition invoked by a peculiar hormonal and emotional changes which affect teenagers at this time? This is argued because there's an unusual connection of this cryptid to its links with the ages of the eyewitnesses. Most people who have encountered the bird-like version of the creature have been young women, with the one exception of the young man who identifies only as Gavin. Even the two boys of the 1920s were in their prepubescent period of their lives. There have also been sightings of light orbs above the church on multiple occasions. The church may be an area where the veil of life and death is thin, much like the explanation of ley lines that the ghost hunter pair remarked on. Is the Owlman something that has been able to breach into our world and the church attempts to keep it a secret in order to protect the community? or to prevent unwanted attention. So that, that sounds, plays into your ghost yeah. house theory. And it does tie everything in together. Well, good thing I'm past prebubescent. I can't even say it. <laughs> it's Pre a big word. <laughs> but if you, if you took a list of everyone that has claimed to see it, they pretty much are all the same type of person. Right. I mean, even Shields says that he would like to have gotten a picture, but all the witnesses that he had talked to were all young women. Huh. And the majority of the sightings uh, do involve women who are at the age where they are changing and growing. And it's possible that a supernatural ghost-like spirit might be attracted to that. Weird. Great. So we would need ghost hunters of a younger age if we're ever going to discover if the Owlman exists or not. <laughs> in the meantime, for those interested in watching a movie involving some aspects of the Owlman of Cornwall, you would enjoy The Lord of Tears. This movie was made in 2013 as a horror film directed by Laurie Brewster. The plot is that it's about a Scottish school teacher who returns to his hometown to settle the affairs of his mother's death. When he moves into the inherited mansion, he starts to have visions of the Owlman, a childhood figure he used to be obsessed with. The movie is not a direct representation of the stories we presented in this episode, but it does give you some things to consider, especially tying in supernatural and ghosts. So now that we have had everything that... I know about the Owlman of Cornwall. What are some of your final opinions? I don't know. I think I'd, what you said about the whole 
revolving around the church and the young girls. That's extremely fascinating because none of our stories have ever been so pinpointed to specific people, a specific age or a specific gen- gender or I mean this is this is like the first one I'm just I tend to believe more into the ghost-like or the supernatural version of the Owlman because if you read, most ghosts do haunt a small location, such as a church and its courtyard. Correct, right. It, it also does tie into the orbs that we're seeing, the ghost hunters' videos, and a creature that exists for over a century. It is possible that the church is a focal point for a supernatural ghostly being making random appearances from time to time. Oh, definitely. It just It's just surprising me how it is pinpointing such a specific part of population. And that might be something that scientists will have to study at some point, the connections of certain aged uh, people and their connections to the supernatural and paranormal. Right. Well, they do, say ca- they do say kids and cats can see ghosts. And maybe that's what these kids saw. Well, being sure to watch the skies, I suppose this is a good time to make our way back out of the mist and bring this episode to a close. We'd like to give special thanks to David Facilian and Facilian Studios for our introduction music. We would also like to ask you to please leave us a review, negative or positive, (laughs) on the podcast provider you are listening to this podcast on. It helps promote our show, and we are going to try and learn from them. We are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about your encounters with ghosts of your own. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. And we are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share your own stories. We love hearing about your personal experiences with the supernatural. For those of you who may need a daily dose of cryptids and ghosts, we have a TikTok channel which gives a few minute clips about a story involving some of your favorites and some unknown creatures and spirits. We hope you enjoyed our stories about the Owlman of Cornwall and we'll come again for another episode. As a reminder, if we've entertained you, please feel free to donate a few dollars to our Buy Me a Coffee app. It's a great way to show that you enjoyed our stories and we'll come again for another episode about cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. Until then, we hope you make your way out of the mist safely and perhaps a little bit more curious. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, guys.